Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carvich, your host, and with me today is none other than that great prognosticator and sports analyst, Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm pretty good, Mark. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. How's those prognostications going these days? <laughs> I, I think they're going all right, but they're going to heat up a little bit more because we have hockey playoffs starting up soon, so you know that's always fun. We'll, we'll get into all the baseball in a minute, but one other thing is we're going to be talking about players and, and their futures. And I know in football, without getting into it too deep, Aaron Rodgers, in some ways a player who might be displaced. And parallel in baseball here in just a few moments. But first, let's take a look at the news. And as of Sunday, there were a few things going on with some of the games. One of them was none other than Mr. Jacob deGrom. And we were just talking about him on a recent episode. Yes, I think it was actually the last episode we were talking about him. Exactly. And one of the things we talked about is how Mr. DeGrom has continued to increase the amount of speed year over year that he's able to throw that fastball. That was like amazing. But last week or a week and a half ago, he had, I think, a uh, a tightness with a lat. And then Sunday, he had another issue that was, uh, I think, uh, tightness on his right side. So I'm not sure, you know, what's going to happen with him for the rest of the series, but I'm glad, or I should say the rest of the season. But I'm glad that he's stopping and having them take a look at it. Yeah, I think either today or Monday for us, we're supposed to, he's supposed to have an RB or an MRI, and we're going to find out what it is and how long he'll be out if he is out and what it is, which the Rays catch a break because they play him, I think it's this weekend, and that could have been a tough game for them, but possibly escaping DeGrom could be a, a, a good break for them. Oh, I would think it's a definite benefit as far as the ability to maybe not not to have to face a, a man with the strengths and capability of him. Let's see. What else is going on? Oh, my gosh. I forgot about this, Brandon. The Dodgers, man. They took a deep dive this uh, past Sunday as well. And see. What's the numbers I hear? They've lost 14 of their last 19 games? Ouch. Yeah, a bit of a rough stretch for them, man. You wouldn't know because nobody seems to be talking about it outside of MLB Network. I haven't seen anybody really mention their struggles. Like when the Yankees were struggling, saw it all over ESPN. We're like, what's wrong with the Yankees? They need to fire Aaron Boone or Brian Cashman. And now the Dodgers are doing it, a team that's won something, which is probably why nobody's covering it. It it just, it's like it's not happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's not happening. I know one person who recognizes that it's happening. And that's the gentleman who was at the mound this past Sunday. And that was Mr. Trevor Barr. The, the man who, who does not speak, who holds his own counsel. And, of course, that's not the case. But Trevor, you know, he had a few things to say about it. See, he says he expressed his frustration with their losing. This is from The Athletic. They say their team is not playing up to our capability. He didn't point to anyone in particular, but I think you can point to the offense. He's, he continues to say, I'm pissed personally. I freaking hate losing. I want to win. That's why I came here. That's my inflection, not his. <laughs> Barr said, <laughs> oh, he just, you know, he allowed two runs and uh, four hits, struck out nine through six innings. Yeah, that's, that's okay. And, but they still lost two to one, and he doesn't like the trend. Who would? No, you can't blame him. He, he, he went on to say it's early, and you can say it's early, and you can say there's no need to panic, and you can say all these things. And they're all true. 
But at the end of the day, we're not just going to roll the bats and balls out there and win baseball games. Ah. I mean, he didn't say anything wrong there. He actually said what he said the right thing. That's true. You're going to go through the slumps. You can't win every single game. And in baseball, the season's so long, you can go through like four or five of them and still win 90 games. But the Dodgers are just doing it early and it ended up taking them all the way down to 500. Yeah, you know, I love hearing you say it took them down all the way to 500. I mean, because so many teams are still <laughs> aspiring to catch 500 or stay at 500. And yes, it is early in the season. And if it does have to happen to you, you hope it's now. So we'll see what goes on with them. So that that was another thing that happened this past Sunday. And, oh, look at last week, man. I think it was a little late. We didn't get to celebrate. I would have got a cake. Willie Mays, he celebrated his 90th birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to him. And it's pretty cool, all the, the support and happy birthdays that you saw all around the sports world for him that day because everybody was talking about it and how what kind of a baseball player they think he was and you know talking about his place in, in the greatest of all time. Absolutely. He's an icon, and I'm glad to see he's still you know, around. But Willie Mays was definitely made an impact in the in the game. And, you know, we talk a lot about the, the challenges that some players, and certainly like when we talk about uh, Jackie Robinson, and I'm sure Willie Mays, since he came up during a similar time period, had experienced quite a bit of the same thing. So congratulations, Willie, on a fantastic career. And actually just getting through the game with a lot of the difficulties that would come with being an African-American male in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and he had one of the greatest moments in in that catch that he made in center field in the World Series, I believe. It was in the World Series. And to have one of the biggest moments in sports history that's still shown and still talked about over the, that amount of time and all that's happened since, that's pretty amazing in itself. It has. His name will be recorded in baseball history as a name that won't be forgotten. While many have come and gone, Willie Mays' name will continue to stay there. And a belated happy 90th birthday to you, Willie. But that wasn't the only story last Thursday. And simultaneously, while he's being celebrated, quite the opposite happened for Albert Pujols with the Angels. Albert Pujols was DFA'd, designated for assignment. I, w- I want to clear up something here, Brandon. I see a lot of these, well, I won't say a lot. I see some writers out there saying that uh, Albert Pujols has been released, which is wrong. because. DFA is something completely different than that, designated for assignment. And what that means is this. Basically, it says the team is done with you. However, for seven days, for the next seven days, what can happen is this. It's basically an open invitation to the other 29 teams. If they are interested in picking up Albert Pujols, they can negotiate something with that team. After those seven days, though, He's, he is basically released, and he can act as a free agent, independent of whatever agreement he may have had with the team. Another thing to mention is that, guess what? The Angels are expected to go ahead and pay for his full payroll for this year. I believe it's $30 million? Yeah. Um, no, you're on the mark, $30 million. And we look at... Mike Trout on that team, he's making $37 million. 
Anthony Rendon, who they just uh, Rendon, who they just brought on this year, he's making twenty eight million a year. So Pujols, if you're going to go ahead and designate for assignment, nobody else, if somebody else wants him, then that team can negotiate with the Angels, and maybe have the Angels pick up some of the tab, and maybe the uh, the other team would pick up some of it as well. But right now, that doesn't look like what's going to happen. We'll get a little bit more of that in just a moment. But I did want to explain what a DFA is. And one additional thing I found out, Brandon, there is a, let's see, you heard of the 10 and 5 rule? No, I haven't. There's a 10 and 5 rule. And what that definition is this. Players who have accrued 10 years of major league service time and spent the past five consecutive years with the same team are awarded 10 and 5 rights. I had never heard of this until the other day. Now, under these circumstances, a player can veto any trade scenario that is proposed. So if you've been in the major leagues for 10 years, if you've been with that same team for five years, and that team wants to trade you, they cannot do it without your approval. Oh, so it's like sort of like a no-trade clause? Yeah, it, it really is. After, I mean, you have that basically after five years, if you've been in the majors for a total of 10. So now, everybody, you know what, what the DFA is. You know what it is to be released. You know what the 10 and 5 rule is. But so what it comes down to is this, is right now Albert Pujols is been, he's in the middle of that seven-day DFA. So unless another team comes forward, he's going to basically be a free agent by Thursday. Brand, I know initial research, I was trying to figure out where Pujols began. I know you found out a little bit about him. And before he was in the pros, what was he doing? He was actually playing in community college. He started out at Maplewoods Community College, and that's actually where he met his wife, as opposed to, you know, the big names of baseball now. When he was drafted, he really didn't have any fanfare. Nobody really knew who he was, and he couldn't really find a team that would want him. Like the Rockies, they looked at him, and a scout didn't want him because he thought that he was heavy-legged with an erratic arm, and I don't really know what heavy-legged means, but I assume it's just your legs are too big. But whatever that means, he thought that's what he was. And actually, the Rays tried him out, and they tried him out as catcher, and they weren't really impressed with him there. And at the plate, he didn't help himself out because he didn't hit any home runs for them. And I know, I know you actually know a lot about that as well. Yeah, if uh, you're interested in learning a little bit more about the Rays' earlier history, there's a book out there that talks about the extra 2%. And inside that book, they talk about uh, one of the scouts who was trying to bring Albert Pujols uh, to, to the race. Now, quick bit of knowledge. This is happening in 1999. The Rays have been established as a team in 1998. And the, age, the uh, scout who's saying, all I want to say about this guy is that someday he'll hit 40 home runs and he'll be in the big leagues. But they wanted, uh, the Rays wanted somebody else to look at him. And, the other person came back and says, hey, you know what? I can't do anything with this guy. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's, that had to be painful when you think about the opportunities that the Rays may have missed out on. I actually found out who the, the Rays and Rockies took in the 13th round of that draft. The Rays had the 385th pick, and they took a pitcher by the name of Jason Pruitt. And the Rockies, they also took a pitcher by the name of Rick Searcy. I believe that's how you say it. It's C-E-R-S-C-E-R-C-Y. I believe Searcy is how you say it. And no disrespect to them, but I don't think they had the career 
that Albert Pujols did. No, you, those names don't ring in my ears and say Hall of Fame. Nothing to disparage anything they may or may not have achieved. But as far as just history and banging around the head and saying, oh, yeah, you remember Mr. Searcy? No, sorry, I don't. Uh, <laughs> well, nothing to is he came up 13th in the draft. I mean, with everything that we've seen historically with Albert Pujols, I would have thought he would you know, potentially come up higher than that. But I, I don't know, maybe... They were missing something. You know, a lot of times the scouts are looking, they say they're looking for a certain look to that player. You were talking about him being heavy thighed or something along those lines. That could have very well have easily stopped some of of the scouts from saying, this is a guy we got to have for our team. I don't understand some of the things that scouts say, not just in baseball, but any sport. It's, look, you're looking at an athlete. You're not trying to put a man on the moon. It's, are they good at baseball or any sport or are they not? And apparently you got to look at other stuff. And I didn't know how late he was actually taken until a couple years ago. And he was taken in the 13th round with the 402nd pick by the Cardinals. And he hung out in the minors for about two years. And at camp, Tony La Russa actually played him all over the diamond to see where he could play. And he actually found a lot of his success at the plate. And he just kept hitting. And they were eventually going to send him down to minor league camp a few days before opening day. And as they were doing that, Bobby Bonilla, yes, that Bobby Bonilla, <laughs> tore his hamstring, and they didn't send Pujols down, and the rest, as they say, is history. It's like it's a sad thing, but obviously injuries, like we're saying, does make a difference. And you know who's going to evolve, who's going to come up, who is going to come up in the ranks that you may never ever have considered. So that's interesting to see. By the way, I thought Larusa would be picking him up from the DFA, but that didn't happen. We'll, we'll talk a little more about that also in a moment. Yeah, I mean, and a guy like that who evolves up in this, the team or in the system, quite often they, they assign a nickname. And what, what was the one for Pujols? Yeah, he received the nickname The Machine, and that was because his mechanics were so efficient and his strike so pure and consistent. I like that. I mean, efficient. That's To me, that's a big part of it. I know there's a lot of different players over time who've had the title machi- The Machine. One most recently is, uh, oh, DJ LeMayu. <laughs> and not surprisingly, yeah, that guy, he does fantastic on the field. He does fantastic at bat. I would wager to say that he's the best player that the Yankees have overall. Yeah, maybe it just goes to say that, you know, simple is best. You can, I subscribe to the KISS method of keep it simple, stupid. You know, that's just me, but maybe just simple is better. Well, I, I, I think you're on the money there. We've talked about that, too, with the type of ball that's played. But let's get back to the machine that we're starting to talk about, Mr. Pujols. When we are talking about we said something earlier about the money he was making. Now, Trout's making $37 million, Pujols is $30 million, and the recent addition, Anthony Rendon, making $28 million. However, the person that will get played at first base without having Albert Pujols, is Jared Walsh. Jared's 27 years old. Pujols is 41. Pujols is 30 million. Jared's 590,000. Long term, yeah, they're, they're going to do better. The, the Angels have said, okay, we'll take a hit this year if we can't get a trade. That's the way it's going to have to be. But if, if trying to figure out and, and say that, what, what do you think had them come to this decision? I mean, let's take a look at the man Pujols. Let's take a look at his history. What, what all has he brought to the game? Do you got anything you can share with us? 
Yeah, I actually found something in the in an SI.com article about Pujols, and they actually compared his first 10 seasons with the Cardinals to Trout's first 10 with the Angels. In Pujols, he averaged 41 homers, much like that Ray Scout said, 123 RBIs, a 331 average, a 426 on-base percentage, and a 624 slugging percentage. And Trout, in his first 10, Averaged 30 homers, 80 RBIs, and a slash line of 304 average, 418 on base percentage, and a 582 slugging. So, wow. We think Mike Trout's the greatest player in baseball. Well, Pujols was that and even more in his time. And I remember he was dominant for years, it felt like. And he's probably served as a bit of a mentor to, to Trout. We'll talk a little more also there in a moment. But when you're looking at these numbers for Pujols, Let's see. And uh, as far as the hit record that you were talking about, he's number 14, sandwiched between, well, let's see, Willie Mays is number 12. So it's kind of interesting to get a little serendipity or synchronicity is probably a better word between him and Willie. And let's see, I think he did 3,253. You were saying that earlier. Home run record. Albert Pujols is fifth. We're just to see, in front of him is A Rod and Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds. Mm, RBIs, Pujols is number three across the, you know all all history in baseball, and number of games played. I'm just curious to see because he has played. He's number sixteen, with looks like over two hundred two thousand eight hundred fifty six games. It was two thousand eight hundred eighty six. Okay, thank you, dude. So, <laughs> no but anyway. No, no, no. So, but that put him at, at number 16 and, you know, above him. Here's what surprised me when we were looking at that. I thought, well, who's played the most games? I wasn't surprised to see Carl Yastrzemski as number two, but I was a little surprised to see Pete Rose at number one. But when you think he was a player coach, I guess that really shouldn't. And Ricky Henderson, I didn't know he played 3,000 or over 3,000 games. There's so many things that baseball has to offer, whether it be the most recent news or history. And a lot of things get lost through the cracks or just, I guess, their, their importance level may uh, may drop somewhat. But I hope it's not the case with Albert Pujols. You know, it was a bit of a surprise for some of the players to find out about this. Uh, I was reading where Wednesday, it must have been, it must have happened late Wednesday. And I think maybe even during the game. Because right after the game, after their loss to the Rays, some of the players were seen going up to Pujols and, and, you know, giving him a hug and that sort of thing. But not everybody knew. One of the other players came up to Mike Trout and said, hey, is everything okay? He said, what do you mean? See, you see that? He said, yeah. And then Trout found out that way. I mean, you're finding out secondhand. I mean, shouldn't a meeting or some it's some kind of notification given be given to the whole team, but basically just trickle down gossip until the reality comes over there. But it said it hit him pretty hard. And I'm not surprised, like, again, because – I don't know that Pujols was actually a mentor, but certainly somebody I think that he, he built a kinship with over the 10 years that they were both there together. Yeah, and I imagine it, it really would affect him. You know, I'm pretty sure Pujols was the mentor for him because everything I've read that the Angels, when they brought Pujols aboard, was that was when Trout was first getting started and they were envisioning you know Trout and Pujols leading them to World Series and him mentoring Trout to becoming one of the best players in baseball, which I think he did a pretty good job at. You know, I'm sure they did want 
to do a meeting with everybody to say, hey, this is what's happening. And they probably didn't want want everybody to find out secondhand. You know, I'm sure that's better than finding out over Twitter like some people have before. But I don't think the Angels wanted people to find out that way. I think they wanted to actually sit down and just tell them that, hey, this is what's happening. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to acknowledge, you know, how he's been celebrated over the years. Pujols, what he's been a three-time MVP, rookie of the year, ten-time All-Star. To see twice he's had the Gold Glove. Uh, see National League Conference, he was the MVP one year. Uh, let's see what else. Sorry, said two times World Series, six times Silver Slugger. Most of the achievements that he had, there's a few more there as well. He's been playing for 21 years. Most of those, you know, with the Cardinals and then the last. Tim with the Angels. Most of those uh, achievements came with the Cardinals. So I can see why the front office may not be happy. I mean, I've looked what that batting average is not the only thing to go at when you're looking at somebody, what they're achieving. But it is a metric. It is. Uh, if you look at Pujols' career, career, he had like a 298 batting average, and this year he's at 198. So obviously he is waning. And if they think they can get more out of Jared Walsh, you know, I guess more power to him. I just think a lot of us say we would like to see the kind of departure that David Ortiz had. You know, it was everybody knew he was going to be leaving. You know, big celebrations, everything else about it. Boston just was, you know, went hog wild of acknowledging his achievements for the year. I think we'd like to see those kind of things for the players. But a lot of times front office just says, you know what, we just need to make a decision. Uh, hardcore facts, line item, scratch. And that's what they did with Pujols. Yeah, and if this is the end, which, I mean, I think unfortunately it might be, he wouldn't be alone in great careers that ended unceremoniously. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., he pretty much left in the middle of the night, didn't tell anybody with the Mariners, he retired. Mike Schmidt, he retired in the middle of a road trip, I believe. They said that's what it was. Wow. And Babe Ruth, when he was with the Boston Braves, he hit a triple, and apparently he decided, hey, that's it, and then he retired. So it would be nice if all these great names got the send-off that they deserved, but unfortunately, not everybody does. But as time goes on, you're not going to remember that. That's true. And, you know, even like in the Babes case, the Yankees, he'd been with them for a while, and they decided, you know what, we, you're really starting to fall a bit. Let's trade you. So... Not completely surprising then when he was with the Boston Braves that that didn't last the full season. It wasn't necessarily something that he wanted. It'd be nice if everybody could get the uh, the Derek Jeter send-off where you get the walk-off in your last home game and then you get a base hit in your last at-bat and you can just walk off and say that's it. But unfortunately, not everybody does. For a long time, I used to criticize Eric Neander at the front office of the Rays. This is a front office decision for Pujols, you know, with the Angels. But it had a feel that seemed just a little, oh, what's I want to say, cold-blooded. And maybe that's unfair. But I think back to the movie Moneyball. And you've got uh, Brad Pitt playing Billy Bean. And then you also have, uh, who's it, uh, something Seymour playing Art Howe. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Phillips, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Phillips Seymour Hoffman playing Art Howe, who was the manager of the team. So here we go. You got the Oakland A's 
general manager, Billy Bean, and you've got Art Howe, who's the manager of the team. So here it is from the movie Moneyball. Billy Bean and Art Howe. All right, you got a minute? Yeah. Take a seat. You can't start Pena first tonight. You'll have to start Hatterberg. Yeah, I don't want to go 15 rounds, Billy. The lineup card is mine, and that's all. Okay, the lineup card is definitely yours. I'm just saying you can't start Pena first. Well, I am starting him at first. I don't think so. He plays for Detroit now. You traded Pena. Okay, you heard it. That's how the conversation, at least that's how it was depicted in Moneyball between Art Howe and uh, Billy Bean. With Joe Madden, it must have happened something similarly. I mean, I heard Pujols really wanted to play that night against the Rays. They had Yarbrough up, and he had performed fantastically in the past, meaning Pujols against Yarbrough. But front office said, no, he's not playing tonight. And Madden was had to go, okay. And, oh, by the way, we're, we're, uh, we're putting him on DFA. Okay. In other words, they didn't sit down with Joe Madden and say, oh, well, you know, we need to talk about some things, see how you feel about this, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, guess what? You may be the manager of this team, but we're in the front office, and we're making these decisions. Bam. Yeah, and from, from what I actually read, Madden told Pujols just a few days before that, this stretch of games for this week, it was going to be Pujols. He's going to be playing every game. And then I guess we all know what happened. And unfortunately, this is what happens in all sports, you know, especially around trade deadlines. You see front offices telling the coaches, hey, it'd be nice if this guy doesn't play because we're in talks of trading him. We see it all the time, you know, the NBA, NHL, even the MLB. That's what happens. And you know, I wish that the front office would kind of stay out of on-the-field decisions and lineup decisions, but, I mean, I guess times change and the front office has more of a say than what they did before, but I wish that they just left it on the field. On-field staff, you worry about on-field. Front office will worry about all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, I do I as well. I, I wish that the, the front office did their business, but... Kind of breaking into the middle of a series and making decisions without really asking the manager what they thought. You know, it, it's, I think it's, it's difficult for the fans. It's difficult for the team. And it's difficult for the spirit of the team. So we'll see how the Angels uh, progress. They, they obviously won against the Dodgers of the night. But uh, we'll, we'll see. What's next for Pujols? Uh I know some people are saying, well, you know, maybe he'll be a good fit to to go back with his old manager from the Cardinals. Maybe Tony LaRusso will bring him up to White Sox. Do you hear anything on that? I've heard a lot of people say that just because of his you know, connection with LaRusso. I don't know if that's going to happen because I don't really think there's a spot for him because, I mean, you have Jose Abreu playing first, and he's a guy we thought could be MVP. And if he says that he wants to play every day, that's probably not going to happen in Chicago. Yeah. But if he says, hey, maybe I want to, I don't mind not playing every day. And even DH, I don't think he can do that either because they have a DH. So unless he says, hey, I wouldn't mind being a bench bench guy helping uh, the younger guys out and just going at it that way. But 
I just don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't either. I've saw some things where Larusa was saying, "Well, I really don't see a space there that would make sense for him." Probably employing much of the the strategy that you were just talking about. You know, who who would he take away to put him in there? Uh, you know, maybe we'll see Pujols in a year. Maybe he'll be a coach on a team. Our man, you know, he who could who knows what he might be doing. He might be a bench coach. He might even be a manager. I mean, his expertise and knowledge of the game and inner workings of it has to be superior to most with as many years as he's been with the major leagues. Yeah, from from what people say about him, he seems like he could be a pretty good coach. And if I heard one person say that, you know, the, the Reds could be a good landing spot for him. I don't know. I don't really know enough about their roster, to be completely honest. I mean, I'd love to see him play one more season, get the send-off that he deserves, but... I just I just don't know if that's going to happen. So what's next? I mean, if does if baseball is gone, you know, team's gone, nobody's looking for you, you're a free agent, nobody's asking you to come on board. You know, what happens to your life if if you've invested all of yourself in baseball? What's next? Well, I'm not sure you could do what a lot of guys do. You could join Ortiz and A-Rod doing TV. And I think that could be a good place for him. I don't know if he'd want to do it, but he'd certainly be a, a good guy to listen to because pretty safe to say he knows his stuff. He could be a coach or he could just be somebody that, hey, I I lived enough time in the spotlight. I want to take time, spend more time with my family and maybe even focus more on his foundation, which he's he's really proud of and he puts a lot of effort into. Well, he's done a lot. I mean, when you think about community, and you and I have talked about this in the past, there's a lot of things that a lot of players do within a community. And some of it's taking appearances. Some of it's making donations. But Albert Pujols has put himself a lot more involved with a specific organization. Can you give us a little more information about that? I was talking about earlier when he, he played at community college. He actually met his wife there. And on their first date, which was at the Cheesecake Factory, a great place. She mentioned that her infant daughter had Down syndrome. And of course, they went on to get married. And, you know, that's actually very close to Pujols, as you can tell one of his kids has Down syndrome. So he started a foundation to help out kids and adults with Down syndrome. And that's something that he seems really proud of because he's been, he has a base in St. Louis where, of course, he was for many years. And when he left for L.A., he kept a base in St. Louis, but he also started up a new one in Anaheim. And one lady, her name is Lisa. She has a 21-year-old son named Jeremy. She told him that Pujols was leaving, and he actually started to cry because he didn't want him to leave. And she said, quote, He's a super all-around good person. They're a good family with really a desire to be impactful in our community and to promote not just awareness, because I think awareness is one aspect, but also acceptance and seeing people with Down syndrome out in the community doing things that they love. I'm so sad that they may no longer be here, end quote. And he even helps them find jobs. He has them at the stadium, you know, having jobs, being greeters at the stores. So he helps them out too. So he's doing a lot. This isn't just a man who shows up one time for an event or, or writes a check. This is a man who's been very involved. And as you're pointing out, helping people directly, whether it be with jobs or, or raising spirits 
or having a foundation that continually helps, you know, folks. And to me, that that is huge. So Albert Pujols, you know, he may be more known for this in years to come than... than uh... Yeah, and they, they do all sorts of things with their foundation. They they take other stars, including Mike Trout, where they, they do cooking classes, golf tournaments with the kids with Down syndrome. So they do all sorts of things. And the thing that I think is really nice is that they do all that, and he actually takes time to spend with the kids. You know, he talks with them. He'll play games with them. And he treats them like they're his own kids, which I think is really nice. Yeah. Well, Albert Pujols, we, ce- we celebrate you and we salute you. And whatever happens with you next, we're confident that you're going to continue to make a difference, whether it's on the field or off the field. And I'm very grateful to have been able to have watched you. Uh, <laughs> I've always felt a little bad that why didn't those daggone Rays get you here? I wanted to, I'd love to see you as in a Rays, Devil Rays uniform years ago, but uh, I'm, I'm very thankful that you're in the game and that you've been there. And I'm sure Mr. Trout is as well. Could you imagine how different the history of baseball would be if the Rays took Pujols and not the Cardinals? Uh, well, if, 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 yeah, what if? But uh, again, any other news or anything else you'd need to talk about today, Brandon? No, just a, a shout out to Pujols. The MLB won't be the same without him whenever he does retire. And I was glad I got to see him play one game a couple years ago. I'd love to have seen him play in his prime with the Cardinals, but yeah, you know, I was a little younger then and they didn't get to play the Rays very often. But in a few years, it'll be his time to go into Cooperstown and hopefully it's unanimous. That's it, man. Once he retires, five years, first ballot, I would imagine unanimous, he'll be in there. Okay, we're going to send a special thank you again to Mr. Pujols and wish him, his family, and, and the Angels all the best. But it's been a, another episode of Baseball Biz. You've been listening to Brandon Noe, and Brandon is at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter, and myself, Mark Corbett, who you can find at The Baseball Biz on Twitter. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Music by X-Take R-U-X, Rocking Fallen.